today at the House of Mario. Let's talk about that awesome Way 4 DLC for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, how you can play your original Game Boy cartridges on your PC, and we go through what the critics are saying about Bayonetta Origins. If you love Nintendo just like me, you're in the right place. Come on in. G'day everybody and welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating. I'm your host Drew Agnew and the doors to episode 246 are open. Hope you're going well, hope you're having a fantastic day. It's good to be back in the podcast chair and feel a little bit rusty. I need to get some rust off, so please forgive me. Also, my setup, for some reason, my second monitor isn't working, so I've got to sort of all look at a laptop. I don't know. Hopefully, you guys don't notice that, but it's annoying me. I've got all these news stories, all this stuff to talk about. I've got a, I've got a bunch of stuff for show and tell as well. I've got a bunch of gadgets I'm keen to talk about in a little bit. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It really is. I cannot wait to jump into it with you all. Like I said, it's been a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Um... The first thing that happened is we basically come down with gastro, and that was an awful week. That is, <laughs> that was awful. Uh, you know, it's hard enough being a dad, being a parent, um, but when everybody is sick, including the baby, and you don't want to get out of bed and you can barely leave the toilet, uh, that was um, that was not fun whatsoever. That was a very hard week. <laughs> so it, that that put my morale down a little bit, and also a bunch of stuff around the yard and that being absolutely tackling. A bunch of ivy we've got on our fence, which was very annoying. It was a massive job. And um, the days that I had free were my podcast days. So unfortunately, that's what uh, had to take priority those days. Got to make most of the time when you've got it. Um, So it feels a little bit strange coming back to it now. You know, I've got to get used to just sitting in front of the camera talking to myself again. Um, It's not a natural thing to do. Uh, It's just, uh, (laughs) but it's a lot of fun anyway. Um, so yeah, that's what's um, basically been up. I do apologize for anyone that's been looking for an episode, but um, I didn't hear from anyone. So everyone's just very patient or doesn't give a shit. <laughs> it's all good though. We've had a bunch of things going on in the world of Nintendo and um, I've been paying attention, been playing a lot of games, been really enjoying myself on Switch and PlayStation and a bunch of stuff. So I can talk about some stuff that I've been playing, but a big game that came out this week, which I mentioned before, Bayonetta Origins. Really um, pretty keen for this one. It came out today at the time of recording. I've got it loaded up on my Nintendo Switch. And I thought we'll just go over what the critics are saying as far as what they think about the game. And it's currently reviewing quite well, sitting at a Metacritic score of 80, which is pretty good. Like, um, you know, I I do sort of really go off like the, the 10 point scale that IGN sort of established back in, I guess, the the 2000s when I was really paying attention to it. I don't so much pay attention to um, review scores too much, especially for Nintendo games, because um, I'm going to buy them and play them anyway or, or receive them from Nintendo, which I've been very lucky lucky enough to receive Bayonetta Origins. So thank you very much to Nintendo Australia. Cannot wait to dig into it. Um, but typically, it's only... There's, there's been a few games that I have been paying attention to review scores with like Atomic Heart. That was a game I'm like, oh, I'm not too sure, but it's on Game Pass anyway. And the reviews that came out for that, I'm like, oh, I think I'll give that a miss. I've got way too much on my plate to even sort of uh, consider wasting my time on that just for what it is. Um, but just for the sake of going through and getting a, a rough idea of 
what uh, you know what is the consensus of the game. You know, it's a it's good to check out Metacritic and sort of go. Well, well, it's a it's a good game. It's a great game. It's worth your time. It's not worth your time. It could be potentially worth your time if you're into these uh, types of experiences. But really, I don't know much about um, Bayonetta Origins, uh, Cereza and the Lost Demon. I really don't. I haven't looked too much at it. I knew that it was coming out relatively soon. Got announced at the Game Awards, and from that point, I'm like, well, I'm keen to play it. It looks really nice, really sort of artistically. Um, striking game reminds me of Okami, which is something that I uh, laughed at at one of these review roundups. But we'll go through a couple of them. We'll just go through how their, I guess, their summaries summed up on Metacritic. And the first one is from My Nintendo News, and um, the reviewer uh, said, without a shadow shadow of a doubt, Bayonetta Origins: Cereza and the Lost Demon is an unexpected contender for Game of the Year. Already established Bayonetta fans are sure to be more than satisfied with its unique storytelling, tight controls, engaging combat, vast exploration, fantastic visuals, while also being a great entry point for the series' newcomers. Uh, It even opens up a door for those that may not have enjoyed the explicit (laughs) um, um, sensationality of the main mainline games as the overall tone is more wholesome and inviting as someone who really enjoyed and, and loved Bayonetta 3 I thoroughly enjoyed Bayonetta Origins Cereza and the Lost Demon equally as much if not more for an entire entirely different reasons and um, that's something that I'm really excited for it's just like I I like just the story book aesthetic of the game and just how it's more more sweet rather than like being aimed at like awesome action scenes type of thing. And uh, at the very bottom of the scale, we've got who did I want to? There's someone here at the very bottom. Yeah, so um, yeah, at the very bottom of Metacritic uh, is Metro Game Central. I haven't heard of the website, but I thought their summary was quite interesting. Um, they gave it a, a, well, it's a 50 on Metacritic. I'm not sure what their review scale is. But they say that this spin-off has almost nothing of interest for Bayonetta fans and instead offers Okami-like experience that is uh, undemanding and almost seems to run on autopilot. And honestly, this gets me a little bit more excited about the game to jump into it, mainly because um, when I saw the game, I'm like, that reminds me of Okami Den. Now, Okami Dan is a it's a game on DS. It was a prequel to Okami, who um, who was that? What was actually made by a lot of the members at Platinum Games? Um, you know, the art one of the directors. I can't remember if must have been before they went to Platinum or formed Platinum um, from Clover Games, and it really did remind me of that art style. And in Okami Dan especially when you run into an enemy, it sort of goes into like a, imagine like an RPG when you run into an enemy, when it goes into a turn-based battle. You know, Kami Den, it would go into a battle, but you're, you're running around free roam and you're actually able to like use your all, all, your, all your abilities through the touch screen. And um, I thought it was a lot of fun. And that's what this reminds me of is sort of when it's a battle, it goes into like its own arena and you're able to do the battle that way. So reading that, I'm like, Okami Light, yes, please. I would like more of that. It's um, especially by um, people that uh, had an influence or just direct impact of, uh, you know, the original Okami and Okami Den. So 
Awesome. Cannot wait. Um, looking forward to getting into it. I've got um, a massive amount of um, games that I'm wanting to get to. And all the Nintendo games that are coming out this year, they're just filling up the backlog pretty quickly, especially when I'm aiming to tackle bigger games. Um, one that I'm really uh, on the chopping block for. I've got about a week to finish it. I think I'll get there, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, keen to try this out. There is a demo that carries on your progress. So go and check it out. Um, I just, when, when it comes to demos that carry on my progress, I'm a little bit wary about them because... Um, I know with Octopath Traveler, I did the demo, really enjoyed it, uh, played it about a month or however many weeks before the full game come out. When I got back to the full game, I'm like, it's been too long. I don't know what I was doing, where I was going. So I'm a little bit wary, when, especially when it comes to you know big games. But if it's something like this, where it's a little bit more linear, might be okay. But go and check out the demo. Um, progress carries over. I'd rather the progress carries over than just have to redo the start of the story. That's a... Uh, that's frustrating and annoying. <laughs> but yeah, seems like it's going well. Addy on Metacritic. Congratulations to Platinum Games and Nintendo. Looking forward to checking it out. So um, before we get going, I just want to do some housekeeping and um, just uh, let you guys know how you can support the show and how you can make the House of Mario a home. And you can do that by heading over to youtube.com slash subscribe. It's free. It's all good. You can check out the House of Mario video versions as well as other stuff that I get out into. Doing a lot of YouTube shorts as well, which uh, feature unboxings and opinions and stuff like that. Um, Going to be ramping up that stuff as uh, time goes on. And you can also support us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash ridruby where you can get uh, exclusive content like heaps good, secret recordings, stuff like that. Um, it's all, all a lot of fun and a big shout out to my Patreon supporters that support at the $3 level or higher, including Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Sam Hay, DJ and Lemonade. Guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Helping, uh, helping make this uh, dream of mine a reality. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And of course you can, uh, go on podcast services like Apple podcasts and leave a review as well. Uh, we're coming up to a year of no no reviews over Apple Podcasts. As of April something or other, we will it'll be a full year since I've had a review. And I've not had a review since Bryce has been on the show. So come on, guys, give us a review. Open your Apple Podcasts app and bloody give us a review. Jesus Christ. I'm joking. Do what you like. <laughs> okay, let's jump into the Guru Geek Out. This is a tribute to my late friend, Bobby Pauls where we give a shout out to someone who I think is doing awesome work within the podcast slash gaming community, whether I know them or not. The two people that I'm bringing up today, though, I do know. They're very good friends of mine. Also, I want to go through a bunch of um, geek outs as well, some cool stuff that I've bought and I want to share with you. So the first one, I just want to give a big congratulations to Josh and Michaela. Uh, Josh, who hosts the awesome Nintendo podcast in Tanvania, which I believe I'm... I'm um, going to be guesting on this week, so check that out on Monday. But um, big shout-out to them. I was meant to be going to their engagement party. I was really looking forward to it, had the accommodation booked, had uh, everything planned, but that's when I got gastro, and um, it was not a good sign. Um, I, I think I was just over it. I still wasn't feeling very well, but I was on recovery mode, but my little boy, he was still very sick, um, and he actually gave gastro to... <laughs> both of uh, our parents, so Chantel's parents and my parents. So we weren't going anywhere, but um, 
that was a big shame that I missed that. I was really lo- looking forward to it. Introducing uh, Chantel to one of my nerdy <laughs> podcasting friends. I don't believe she's met any of them yet. Um, but it would have just been great to celebrate with um, Josh and Michaela for their, you know, their special night. So, you know, big shout out to you, Josh. I know you're probably listening. So, um, you know, love you, mate. Hope you're going well. Looking forward to talking to you on your show and heaps good. And um, hopefully, um, yeah, we can catch up soon. And uh, another shout out I want to give out to is Sean Capri. And I I, um, talk about Sean Capri on this section, you know, a a fair few times, to be honest with you. And that's because, you know, him and Bobby is a big inspiration for this segment, the Guru Geek Out, obviously, from Bobby Pauls. But, you know, Sean was a massive part of that. He was always there with the Geek Outs and uh, Bobby wanted to do the shout outs. There was a bit of tension between them as far as what they wanted to do. It was quite funny at the start of each episode. But um, I just want to bring it up because Sean, he's put out on Twitter that he's taken a break from podcasting. And um, I just want to say to Sean, just... Uh, I think you're doing the right thing. I think it's a, a great thing to take a break um, from something because it's um, it's so obvious that Sean shares the passion for podcasting, video games, all of this um, on top of a full-time job, two kids, you know, all the commitments that come with running a household, being an adult and everything like that. And I think it's just a, a really sort of mature thing to be able to take a step back and rekindle the passion and love for doing this because it really isn't easy, especially what he's doing at Carpool Gaming. When he come back from just a really traumatic loss of his best friend, Bobby Pauls, and, you know, him being like, you know, Bobby was his right-hand man just in content creation and everything, and it's hard to sort of um, have uh, an element like that removed when you're doing it. So for him to come back full bore, do the rebrand, do everything as far as carpool gaming that goes, make an awesome team surrounded, um, or surrounding him. It was just um, a really tremendous thing. So I'm looking forward to Sean coming back. I'm certainly going to miss him. I personally love carpool gaming's content. I'm a patron. I really enjoy everything they do, but I think it's important to take a break every now and again. And that's probably a lesson I could learn as well, where it's like, if I need a break, I should take the break and I should let you guys know. Um, I didn't particularly want to take a break the last three weeks or two weeks or however long it's been. I didn't want to, but it sort of uh, just sort of happened. But um, yeah, definitely. I think um, especially when it comes to doing a weekly show or weekly content, you need to just be ahead of it. Be like, oh, look, I need to take a break. You know, there's no Christmas holidays. There's no sort of break in the new cycle or games coming out or um, whatever. So I think it's just it's important. So Love you, Sean. I hope you're going well and hope you just enjoy sitting back, reading some comics, doing whatever you want to do. Go for walks, get your running in order, all this stuff. So, yeah, big shout out to Sean Capri. Go and check out Carpool Gaming. Um, even in his absence, they're doing awesome content. Got a PlayStation podcast, Nintendo podcast, Xbox podcast, a um, bunch of stuff going on over there. So, yeah, go and check out Carpool Gaming. Okay. And uh, now I just want to get to my geek outs. I bought a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I want to share with you guys. It's all related to Switch except for one. And the first one is uh, just uh, I bought a brand new pair of headphones and I'm really enjoying like really enjoying using them. And they are the Sony InZone H9s. And what uh, what these basically are is they're, they're for PC and PS5. And they're, they're white. They're themed like the PlayStation 5. And they weren't cheap headphones. They're, you know about 400 Australian dollars. I got them a little bit cheaper on Amazon 
And what really sort of caught my eye for these is I wanted a pair of wireless headphones. I wanted to be able to sit back with my gaming trolley, really enjoy it. Um, I don't have like good speakers or anything because of, I don't want to, I'm sitting next to my partner and don't want to wake the baby and that. So I'm not worrying about having like a decent sound system or anything like that. I just want a good pair of headphones that I can sit back, relax, sync easy, whatever. And I was getting sick of that little wire between your controller and, um, and, and, and like your headset. Um, and on Switch especially because there's no place, there's no headphone jack in the controllers. So I was looking at some options, what I could do, um, looking at wireless receivers, or I even got a controller that is wired that you can plug in a pair of headphones with. But I don't want wires dangling around everywhere, especially when it, you know, with the trolley and that. It's not, it's not too big a deal with the wires necessarily because I'm closer to it than you would be just like your normal TV. But I was looking at some reviews and, um, you know, Sony have sort of great sort of audio quality and all that. So that, that was an easy thing. But when it comes to this specific feature is that you can actually plug in a wireless receiver to the PlayStation or PC, but then you can also sync up a Bluetooth device like with your phone and you can play audio through that as well. So I'm playing a game like um, Kirby or an RPG, but then I can also play a podcast through the same headset and you can mix and match sort of the, the audio. You can lower and up each channel and that has been an absolute godsend. I love it so much because typically if you're playing, a, if you're listening to a podcast and you're playing a game, um, you might put one headphone on one ear and you might put an AirPod or another uh, ear, ear pod in the other ear and listen to the podcast that way. But I can put on, I can just turn it on, put it on, syncs to my phone, syncs to the PlayStation, Switch or PC and I just hit the podcast that I'm playing and jump to the game. And that's been really awesome. I've been really sort of, enjoying that just playing a game like for example kirby dreamland been really enjoying that and it's a pretty mindless game you don't have to like listen to story dialogue or voice acting or anything so it's great just having a podcast going on in the background and i don't want to overstimulate myself i'm not going to be playing something that is just a lot more involved and also a podcast but platformers grinding in rpgs all the sort of stuff that's downtime where you don't need to be engaged in getting in information. It's been awesome. So anybody that grabs a pair of these, I think you're going to really enjoy it. And I got the more expensive model that has um, uh, noise cancellation, which works really well. It also has um, like pass through as well. So if I'm playing at night, I don't necessarily want to be locked out of the outside world. I want to be able to hear if Lucas is crying in his room or something like that. So I can just hit the button um, on the left and it actually activates um, the microphone so I can hear everything around me, um, which is quiet anyway. So it doesn't disturb me unless I hear Chantel like ask for me or, you know, my baby crying. So it's been really great. And um, it works It works flawlessly on Switch. comes with a little wireless dongle that has um, a switch that um, goes between PC and PlayStation 5 mode. And um, when it's on PC mode, plug it into your switch and it works. Um, you know, you put the volume up and down. It's got the, the indication on the screen. It works like it was made for switch. Uh, and I just want to put that out there because when I was looking up, like, does this work on Nintendo Switch? There's no answers. And it's a little bit of a risk considering that, um, you know, it, it's price tag and you want it to work on a lot of your devices. Um but yes, it does work on Switch because I got the the PlayStation Pulse headset that came out with the PlayStation 5 
couple of years ago, and that worked flawlessly on Switch as well once you plugged in the wireless receiver to the dock. Um, so great headset for Switch. I will just say that it, you know, with the wireless receiver, obviously that needs to be docked to go into the Switch USB um, hub, but um, I guess you could use the, just the Bluetooth from like the secondary channel for the Switch as well, if that's the way you want to go. So yeah, absolutely love it. Awesome stuff. It's my favorite headset. It's my go-to. Love it very much. Great battery life. 32 hours of battery life. Um, so yeah, going to be playing all of my games with this. The only downside for me personally is that it does not work with Xbox. So when it comes to playing my Xbox Series X, I'm going to be just uh, have to use a different headset compared to my three other platforms. It's kind of annoying, but I guess, uh, you know, PlayStation really don't want you to <laughs> play your Xbox. Uh, next up is I got a brand new GameCube controller and it's not typically what you would expect from, you know, a GameCube controller. Um, I always played, you know, Super Smash Brothers or um, Brawl or Wii U with my GameCube adapter. Um, but there was one trip I made to Adelaide and I took all my GameCube controllers with me. I put them in my backpack, but also on the same trip, I needed like toiletries, clothes, you know, all the stuff you travel with. And I put my shampoo in the same bag as my GameCube controllers. And for some reason, my shampoo leaked. So I've got like four GameCube controllers full of shampoo and the buttons and that are all, you know, stick down and that I need to, um, I need to open them up and go through them. So I've basically got no GameCube controllers at the moment. And I've been really enjoying uh, playing GameCube controllers on my Mac Mini M1, which is under my TV on my gaming trolley. It's basically my emulation device to play on the big screen. And I wanted this that real tactile GameCube controller feel because I think especially with Nintendo consoles, the controller is a lot of the feel of playing the game. So when it comes to GameCube, you know, you've got those awesome triggers, the the sticks with the sort of the hexagonal um, sort of, uh, I guess, uh, what do you call it, for the analog sticks, um, and the buttons, the big A button, the little B button, and those weird little Y and X uh, <laughs> buttons above it. Um, so I really wanted that. So I looked into what my options were. I could get a WaveBird, which are expensive, and it's hard to get a good quality one. You know, they're over 20 years old at the moment, and they work, you know, there's not that many of them, especially, you know, the GameCube didn't sell that much and they were like a, a novelty item at the time. So I got a brand new controller um, and this is a modernized GameCube controller that works with Switch, Wii U, PC and um, works with a little um, wireless receiver with a 2.4 um, gigahertz um, wireless compatibility and it's uh, it's really great. Um, it, it looks like a Switch Pro controller with basically... GameCube attributes to them. So it's got your your buttons, your AB, like I said, and um, but it does have just like normal triggers that you'll probably find pretty close to like a PlayStation 4 controller, I would say, um, which is a little bit of a disappointment because I really love the triggers on the GameCube, but at the same time, that, that controller is so loud and clacky that when I'm playing in bed or um, on the couch next to my partner, I don't want it to be clack, clack, clack as I'm playing because... Anybody that's had like a Super Smash Brothers brawl or melee party, you know, those games, four people playing on GameCube controls, it's so loud. <laughs> so I've um, I really loved this controller. I picked it up from the games men here in Australia for I think it's about ninety or eighty dollars. Um, and first sort of impressions, grabbing it, you know, it feels it doesn't feel like a premium 
sort of controller that you get from a first party like PlayStation, Xbox, or Nintendo. Um, but plugging it into my Switch and um, playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with it and Super Smash Bros. Um, Ultimate, it feels fantastic. It feels really great. Like for Mario Kart, having that big A button just to, to hold your thumb on to accelerate as you're going through. The triggers um, feel great. The analog sticks feel great. Um, it has a good D-pad on it as well, which the GameCube controller did not have. And even like... Um, it's, it's been strange because I feel like this is just me. I don't know if I'm making excuses for myself, but my performance for Super Smash Brothers has been, it always feels a lot better on a GameCube controller. And I haven't used a GameCube controller for ages for Super Smash Brothers. And that's mainly just been how convenient it is just to pick up the pro controller. It syncs automatically, no plugging in dongles or wires or anything like that. So I haven't played with a long time. So I was really keen to see how it felt playing with this controller and i gotta say this it feels like i i picked up a gamecube controller back in i don't know 2009 when i was playing super smash bros brawl just to death and i felt like i was pretty good at it um you know i'm not going to win any tournaments or anything but i could definitely hold my own against uh, a lot of um opponents but it just felt so much more responsive than a pro control. I don't know why. I cannot put my finger on it. I don't know if, if it's because of plugging in the dongle. You've got that better connection to the Switch rather than just using, you know, the standard Bluetooth from, uh, you know, Nintendo Switch. But it just felt so much more responsive and it did everything that I wanted it to do, which sometimes on a pro controller, I feel like it's not getting all my inputs in. But I felt just 100% in control of what my character was doing and, Having just this layout with A, B, X, Y just felt great, man. It felt awesome. This is definitely my Smash controller now. Um, so really, really happy with it. So just absolutely stoked. And um, when I get through Atelier Riser 2, which is the game I'm tackling at the moment, I've got a bunch of games loaded up on my Mac Mini through emulation for GameCube. And um, I'm going to be playing this bad boy on that. Cannot wait. I'm going to be playing through Pikmin 1. Um, Star Fox Assault, and it's going to feel great. So super happy with it. If you want a modern sort of GameCube controller for Switch, PC, Wii U, etc., etc., definitely check this out. It's Retro Fighters, and it's called the Battler GC Wireless Gamepad. And uh, yeah, here in Australia, you got it from the Gamesman. And um, it's funny because talking about emulation and stuff, what I, I I really did look into the best option to play a lot of these games that I missed because GameCube for me, it's kind of strange because i've got a i actually have like a lot of nostalgia for gamecube even though i never had one and i barely played one when i was a kid and a lot of that was because when i was younger i read a heap of gaming magazines all about Game Boy advance and you know um it had obviously in those gaming magazines it had sort of reviews and previews and stuff of gamecube games ps2 games and i just read it from cover to cover multiple times and all these GameCube games, I sort of had this romantic sort of fascination about them because I couldn't get them. They weren't accessible to me. I did not have the platform, but um, I always looked at them and was like, I really want that game. And being able to like sort of as an adult now, but like, all right, let's, let's really get into these games. And I was looking into options for how I'm going to like play these games. And I was looking at original hardware, buying the games, the way I'd prefer to do it, have like the physical copy of all these games and just even spending a lot of money doing lots of mods to original hardware 
you just weren't going to get as good a quality out of out of the games and like on my mac mini it was a it was an old well, it's not an old computer but it's a it's a computer that i no longer use because i got a brand new laptop and it wasn't i didn't have a need for it on my desk so um, it was, it's been in the cupboard for a few months. And when I got this gaming trolley set up, I put it underneath. I'm like, this is going to be my emulation machine. And I can run GameCube games flawlessly. Some at 4K, some I got to put down to 1080 or um, 1440p or something like that. But it's just been a really great experience. But I dare say I'll talk about that a little bit more once I've um, really jumped into some emulation. But played a lot of uh, Mario Kart Double Dash with this, actually. Mario Kart Double Dash... It's just exactly what I was talking about. I always looked at Double Dash thinking, I really want to play that Mario Kart game, but I was playing Mario Kart DS or Mario Kart 64 or even Mario Kart Wii. Um, but I always looked back at that game and had a really sort of fascination with it. And, um, you know, playing it now, it's um, I'm so bad at it. For some reason, I just... <laughs> the mechanics feel so much different, just the drifting, everything. I'm always, like, going off the course. and <laughs> I don't know. I've never been so bad at a Mario Kart game in my life, but... Let's see if I can I can get there eventually. But yeah, great controller. Go and check it out. I um got a uh, actually got a brand new PlayStation controller. I got the PlayStation DualSense Edge. Very expensive controller. When I first saw the price tag, I sort of laughed at it. I'm like, you got to be dreaming. And here I am. I bought one, and um, I really sort of just wanted a premium feeling controller, especially for you know the PlayStation Five, which is a platform I use a lot, much like my Switch. So I um you know I. I made the pre-order. I got the controller, and my my sort of first impressions weren't that good, really. Um, and that's just because of how expensive the controller is. When I pay three hundred dollars for a controller, I really expected to be like, "All right, this is the ultimate controller. There is no problems whatsoever with it." And I was I got it out of the box, and I was playing with just with the face buttons, and the face buttons didn't feel right to me. They felt like they're making like a sort of a I, I know. A crunching sound sounds worse than it was, but it was making a sound of it just really wasn't that good to me. Um, but playing with it a couple of sessions, I've sort of worn in the buttons and it sounds a lot better. But I've been really enjoying sort of the back paddles, um, you know, the, um, the the triggers where you're absolutely, you're able to do the amount of lead that, your, that the press down does. And at the moment, I've got them set down to like just a, a little press, much like the Switch Pro controller where it just becomes a button rather than just like just like a bunch of throw as far as like, you know, doing doing racing games with acceleration and stuff. So, yeah, I'm really happy with it. I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm just playing Atelier Riser, so just an RPG. But I've set these, I set these back paddles to basically let me... In the game, you're doing a lot of gathering of items. So you press um, X to pick stuff up or you use your gathering items with square. And um, I've set them to... Um, X and square. So I can have my uh, thumb on the stick still while I'm, when I'm going around the overworld picking stuff up. So really been and, um, enjoying that. Very basic sort of functionality for an RPG, but it, it makes a difference. And uh, I'm really keen to see how it works with, um, you know, a first-person shooter where that would completely transform the way you play that game where you're able to look around and also do a jump um, rather than have to swap thumbs to one of the face buttons. So really cool. And um, this is where I want to talk about how you can play Game Boy Advance or Game Boy games on your PC. And talking about the the Mac Mini, you got that underneath my um, TV at the moment. And a few weeks ago, Pokemon had a Pokemon Presents. 
And during that presentation, I was like, all right, we got Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on Switch. Um, I was not too worried that we weren't seeing any Pokemon games at the Nintendo Direct because Pokemon Presents, surely we're going to get Pokemon games on Nintendo Switch. At least let us know that they will come um, later in the year. And uh, I, it seemed like just an obvious surefire thing. Not everything is guaranteed, obviously, but it seemed like something that I was like, surely, surely. And I hyped myself up. I've been wanting to play, you know, the Pokemon Game Boy Advance games and Pokemon games on a big TV forever, forever. And it took years to get Pokemon, you know, uh, red, blue, yellow, gold, silver, crystal on the 3DS virtual console. It took forever. Um, you know, they came out in 2016 on 3DS, which was way too long. Um, at that point, the system had already been out for five years and they finally come and it took a long time. I was literally, and just to let you guys know how it, how long I was waiting for just something simple like that. Um, when the virtual console launched on 3DS, I was checking it every Thursday seeing what game was coming out um, as the eShop updated. But, oh, is Pokemon out? No. Next week, oh, is Pokemon out? No. Is Pokemon out? No. And years and years and years went until they finally released it. And they did a great job. It had, they had a Pokemon bank support. They injected uh, events that were never sort of supported in the original games, such as like Celebi in Pokemon Crystal, which was awesome. You could go and catch Celebi, which was an event that, you know, only was only limited. You had to go to very specific places that Nintendo were um, putting these events out and you could do it that way. So very few people actually got to experience those. So when it, when it comes to the Game Boy Advance games, you know, I've got so much nostalgia and love for Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald. Emerald's my favorite game of all time. It's um, I, I love it so much. I've just been holding off playing it because I want to play it on the big screen. I just, I've been dying for that. And that's something I was doing as like looking at like the GameCube support as well. And just the output just wasn't that good on GameCube, especially in 2023, <laughs> as far as how you could get that game to look on a TV. Um, so I was looking at other options since the Pokemon Presents had no signs, no signs of the Pokemon Virtual Console coming to Switch whatsoever. Um, will it come eventually? Yeah, most likely. I, I sure hope so. But will it be a similar situation to 3DS where it's going to be way too late? Way, way too late where we're already like looking at the next system. We're like, Well, we kind of want to play Pokemon on that next system. <laughs> um, so I, I took matters into my own hands. I'm like, all right, how can I play these Pokemon games on, on on the TV. I can do it through emulation, through the Mac Mini. That's easy as, easy as anything. But I want a, a more legit sort of way of doing it. And I come across this device called the Game Boy Operator by Epilogue. And you can see here, um, if you're watching the video, but it's just got a tiny little um, Game Boy slot, which looks really fancy. It's got um, see-through plastic. You can see the the insides, the chipboard, everything about it. And it just sits on your desk or under your TV and you're able to slot in Game Boy carts. I've got my copy of Pokemon Emerald here. I'm going to do a nice little sand for you. Oh, and it slots in just a little USB-C cable into the back, USB into the back of your computer. And through the software that Epilogue has put out, you can plug in your Game Boy game and you can play it on your PC with a, a controller and 
you can save the game and that saves directly to your Game Boy cartridge. And I'm like, okay, I need one of those. So late at night when I was watching the Pokemon Direct, I needed the sleep, but I was I was like, all right, I, I need a method before I can get the sleep. So 50 US dollars, I purchased one of these and it came a lot quicker than I thought. Where did it come from? It came from, it says on the box. I was expecting it to come from the US or somewhere and typically... Shipping through from the US to Australia takes forever. Got a bunch of Christmas cards <laughs> from people in Canada and the US, which uh, came a lot later than Christmas. But um, yeah, this was assembled in Romania. So yeah, I guess it came from Romania. I'm like, oh, well, it comes from Romania a lot quicker than it does from the US or the UK or somewhere. Um, and my experience with this has just been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. I haven't touched it too much because... Um, well, I haven't played a lot of uh, a lot of games on it, mainly because I've been playing other stuff. But I have dabbled around with it enough to like really it sort of enjoy its uh, quality of life features. And one of the biggest sort of thing I was excited about is I've got my childhood copy of Pokemon Emerald, and I can plug this into the PC. I can back up my save, and I can also inject a lot of the events and stuff that were not in well, not accessible to me here in Australia back in 2005. Um, similar to what Nintendo did with the Celebi event in Pokemon Crystal, there were a bunch of events in Pokemon Emerald that you couldn't um, access. There was um, there was different events for going to catching Latios or Latias with the Eon ticket. There was events to go and catch Deoxys. There was an event to go and catch Mew, um, Lugia, Ho-Oh. There's a bunch of stuff that you had to go to a very specific place uh, that were never accessible to Australians. Only certain places in, um, I guess, the US and especially um, uh, Japan. So the idea is that I can go into it with software, just inject those um, wonder gifts into the game. It's not cheating. It's not code. It's just through similar software that Nintendo used to do this event in the first place. I can put them onto my game cartridge and then I can plug it back into my Game Boy Advance and do those events and they had some real, it's kind of funny because if, if Nintendo did that now where it was just events and they're only given out to very specific parts of the world, that would suck. There'd be so much outrage. And it did suck as a kid that we couldn't go to those events. We couldn't use those features within the game necessarily. Like, you know, Holo and Lugia, they were so, 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 so rare in the generation three games because you could not access them unless you, you know, caught one of these events. Um, but it just put a real mysticism around it. And it just, like I said, with the GameCube games for me, it really romanticized like the idea of like having a ho or Lugia or Mew or Deoxys. Like these were super rare Pokemon to have in these games. And the idea that, you know, finally I'm 28 years old um, I can go and catch these Pokemon. It's exciting. It's really cool. So I cannot wait to um, jump into this and like really play some Pokemon Emerald again. You know, like I said, my favorite game. I can finally utilize features that I couldn't when I was a kid, and I cannot wait. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. So when I get through, when I eventually get to it, I'm gonna be playing this game to death. I'm gonna be tackling the battle frontier. I'm gonna be making a living a living decks as I play through the game. Um, catch all these rare Pokemon. And uh, what's especially cool about playing the Pokemon games and what I was talking about with GameCube emulation, you can sync up your save file from any of these Pokemon games to Pokemon Coliseum running on the Dolphin emulator, which is 
exciting. And there was actually a bonus disc um, with Pokemon Coliseum where you could get Jirachi in Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, or Emerald. And you're able to use that with emulation and with this Game Boy operator on your original hardware. Um, So exciting stuff. Very excited um, for this Game Boy operator. Really cool little device. Um, If you want one for yourself, yeah, just Google Game Boy operator from Epilogue and it'll come up. Really cool. And um, it's uh, it's got me into like Game Boy Advance collecting again because I've I've really sort of enjoyed um, collecting collecting Game Boy games and I've been looking on Facebook Marketplace and there was a guy selling like Rayman Advance and uh, Super Mario um, Bros. 2 Advanced and I'm like, oh, just give me all those cartridges. I'm going to play them all officially on my uh, little device here on a big TV, beautiful stuff. I'm so excited and um, it's just another sort of awesome addition to my gaming trolley. You know, I'm playing like all the modern consoles with my headset, playing Game Boy Advance games on Switch and through the actual official cartridge as well. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a gamer. Absolutely love it. I don't need any new games this year. I'm pretty happy just whatever Nintendo puts on Nintendo Switch Online and um, whatever I can pick up <laughs> secondhand. So yeah, those are my Guru Geek Outs. Jesus Christ, it's 41 minutes. I am so sorry. But um, yeah, had a lot to say <laughs> about that. Okay, let's get into my week of gaming. So I've finished four games since the last time I recorded an episode. And the the seventh game that I finished this year is uh, Super Mario Land 2, six golden coins. And I first played this on 3DS Virtual Console. Really liked it. It was a lot of fun. I got, um, got a physical copy, which I, I probably might actually play on my, my Game Boy operator here um, if I get the chance. But really great game, um, especially if you think back to when it came out on Game Boy, um, it's really impressive. Just it feels like a Mario game on Game Boy. And I could only imagine as a kid just thinking how impressive that is. Because the first Mario Land, it was like a really watered down Mario Brothers game. Like it it, it was fun. It was good. I enjoy playing it today. But um, certainly not as technically impressive as Mario, Mario Land 2. And uh, just like just the crazy themes of like every world that you go to or area that you go to, um, just really cool. It's just like a toy Mario, like the factory section and all that. It's um just a, a really sort of wacky and weird Mario game. And I know it's just like Nintendo sort of used their handhelds to put some of these more weird sort of games out there. And I do kind of miss that because we, you know, we really don't get that anymore with Switch. It's all sort of um, a lot of it is the, the mainline big games coming to switch. I mean, I don't get too much of the wacky stuff anymore because they, I guess uh, these games are a lot more expensive to make. So yeah, awesome game. Next up is another Game Boy Advance game. It's a uh, WarioWare um, Inc. Mega Micro Games. And uh, I love WarioWare. This game didn't, it didn't take too long to run through and get to the credits. You just go through each character set of mini games. But a lot of this game is sort of, you know, all, all of the, the content in the game is going for high scores, playing the mini games. Um, I, I especially love like the mini games in this game. And uh, the one I've had the most experience wa- with was uh, Paper Plane. And Paper Plane, it was a DSiWare game. But uh, when the DSi came out, it had a DSiWare shop where you could go and buy small games digitally on the shop, sort of the predecessor to the eShop on 3DS. And it basically just, you know, ripped that game from WarioWare and put it as its own standalone app where you go into it and you just, it's 
just a little high score game where you're a little paper plane, you're drifting down towards the end of the screen and then you've got to avoid the walls pretty much. But it's all about doing certain angles to um, be able to avoid the walls easily. And um, yeah, it was fun just going back to that and playing that. Um, A little bit of nostalgia for, you know, DSiWare when I'm playing that as well. But uh, it is funny with the the access to the rewind controls completely breaks that game. I got like a score of like 200 because like, you, you know, you hit the wall, ah, re- rewind it a little bit, you know, fix up your mistake and you, you could probably go forever. <laughs> Honestly, you just get a high score of, I don't know, half a million. You just keep going. <laughs> like, oh, I make a mistake, rewind. Um, so imagine if there was leaderboards, that would be a, that would be an absolute killer. <laughs> So yeah, that's the eighth game that I've finished this year. Uh, the ninth game was a uh, Pokemon Crystal, and Pokemon Crystal. I wasn't meant to be playing this game, but I just got myself hooked uh, as I was uh, testing out an emulator on my Mac, and I was just, oh, I'll just uh, you know see if it works. Pokemon Crystal, and before I knew it, I had five badges um, playing through the game. I'm like, this was awesome. So it took me about three nights, three sittings, and. Um, I was able to finish it that quick just with like the fast forward feature on the emulator. So I've got it set up. So I hold in the, uh, the right trigger and the speed up just like plays through all the battles real quick. So I was able to play through that game rather quick and it was really cool. I'm playing it through RetroArch and RetroArch is a basically a front end for a bunch of emulators, um, you know, from all the Game Boys and the Playstations, Nintendo consoles. You can just go into it and download cores, which are the emulators when you put it in, it's a really nice sort of front end for your emulators to look nice and presentable. I've got it sort of set up like a PlayStation 3 um, um, cross-media bar. And it, 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 you know, it's quite a nice way of seeing it. But what I really like about the emulator is, you know, obviously I'm able to do the speed ups, but you're able to inject um, uh, achievements into the game. You sign up on a website called retroachievements.org and you put your, your login to your emulator and you're able to do achievements within the game. And it's pretty cool going through a Pokemon game, especially. I've always wanted achievements in the game because, you know, just they're fun. You know, going through the game, you get achievements as you're collecting the badges. It gives you other little challenges like beat um, beat the gym leaders with Pokemon under this level, you know, to make it a little bit harder. And as you're going through the game, you're like, oh, let's see if I can do this achievement. Oh, you know, just play the game a little bit differently, especially with a Pokemon game that you've played multiple times before you're able to play it a little bit differently. And I thought that was quite cool. But as I was playing the uh, Pokemon League and I went to the Elite Four, uh, this is something I was really impressed by is I started the Battle of Lance. And then this timer popped up just out of nowhere. I'm like, what's this timer for? And it's basically like timing me of like my time of playing the game. It's for speedrunners. And it, it came up and it's like, you know, 20 so hours of in-game time. So... I was like really impressed that that just came out out of nowhere. I didn't have to set that up. That wasn't something I had to do. I just dropped my em- my ROM into this emulator and then it was recording my time. And when I beat Lance, it automatically submitted my time to the leaderboards, which was nowhere. Of course, it was nowhere near. I wasn't going for a high score or anything, but it was just a, a really sort of neat thing to be able to see as I go through the game, like where it's just like the last battle, this timer pops up. I was like, all right, this is the last battle and this is the countdown towards... Um, you finishing the game and automatically submitting the score to the leaderboards. I thought that was really cool. And it was um, something that, you know, playing it on even official Nintendo hardware, you don't get. 
<laughs> so I was really impressed by that. I feel it was awesome. And after playing Pokemon Crystal, you know, I was really in the mood for Pokemon games, especially after, you know, the Pokemon Presents, being wanting to play these games, not getting them on Switch. I'm like, all right, let's sit down and play Pokemon Yellow. And I sort of thought to myself, like, can I play the whole game in one sitting? Can I sit here and just play the game? And I was very lucky that night. I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, my son didn't wake up, you know, my wife, <laughs> you know, went to, went to bed a bit earlier. So I had just free time just to, just to play Pokemon Yellow. And like Pokemon Crystal, I used a speed up, which was about five times. So like you're like, you're going through the battles at lightning quick pace. And I finished it in about five hours of real time. It was about 20 hours of in-game time. And by the end of the night, my brain was just like fried. I literally just like went through a whole Pokemon game in five hours, did all the puzzles. I caught Mewtwo, the legendary birds, I pretty much did everything, obviously, apart from complete the Pokedex in that game. But um, about one o'clock that night, my wife was like, all right, you come to bed, I'm like, I just, you know, give me 20 minutes. I've got to go and get Mewtwo, go through Cerulean Cave and uh, do it that way. But it was the same, same with that game when I was doing the Elite Four. The timer was counting down and um, just automatically popped up and playing the game of achievements as well. A lot of fun. There was achievements for um, all the different moods that Pikachu could be in. And I've never really thought about, you know, Pikachu's mood. You're like when you when you go and face Pikachu, you press A, his mood pops up whether he's happy or hurt or sad or angry. And different achievements pop depending on um, what mood he's in. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. Just like gets you thinking about um, mechanics of the game that aren't really that important. You just sort of turn around and go, oh, yeah, Pikachu's doing what he's doing. He's fine. But I thought that was um, really cool. And um, yeah, so... I'm at 10 games currently completed for 2023. I know some of those games were shorter games and you might consider Pokemon Yellow and Crystal cheating because I'm speeding it up. But um, I don't know. It is what it is. I've played those games a lot of times and I was just, um, I just wanted to play them again. <laughs> and I've got limited time at the moment too, just, you know, being a dad and everything. So yeah, I really enjoyed myself. I really enjoyed myself. So I cannot wait to um, jump into Pokemon Emerald later when I've um, beaten Atelier Riser. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I've been playing uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. I don't have a lot to say about it. I've only jumped into it every now and again in between um, play sessions of other games or even car trips. I got Chantel to drive the other day. I play a little bit in the car. As an adult, I get pretty sick looking looking or down at a device or reading, so... I didn't feel too good after that, but got about 20 minutes of Kirby in, so I don't know if that's worth it. But I'm, I really like it. This is a really sort of impressive 2D Kirby game. It looks great. It plays great. You can see lots of, a lot of creativity in the game, and I never played Return to Dreamland on Wii. This was a game that came out late in the Wii's life, and I sort of I think it was like 2011, um, and I just, you know, didn't didn't buy it. I wasn't interested. You know, probably I didn't have a lot of money back then. I was still in school. So I wasn't going to go and buy a hundred dollar Kirby game, but I'm really happy that it's on switch. I think it's a really great addition to the Kirby series. And what I'm playing is I'm really enjoying it. And I'm only playing the sort of traditional um, main mode of the game. I'm only going through it, but there's so many sort of mini games to play high schools to chase challenges, which I haven't really jumped into. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, honestly worth your money if you want to jump into it. 
I received it from Nintendo Australia, so thank you very much to the team at Nintendo Australia for for providing me a code. But definitely a definitely a game I'm probably going to finish pretty soon once I've finished with the big JRPG that I'm playing. Which speaking of, Atelier Rise are two lost legends in the Secret Fairy. I'll touch on it when I finish it, hopefully next week sometime because Atelier Rise 3 comes out. I'm on the chopping board um, for this game. I want to get it finished before I jump into the third game. I'm really looking forward to the third game. It looks awesome. There's so many sort of changes to the game. There's like a key system that you use for exploration and battling. Um, also like open areas that you can go and explore and gather in and you've got a, a party of 11 people. Cannot wait for it. And reviews have come out from um, Famitsu Magazine in Japan. And I think I got a an 84. Let me check this. I've, I've got it up here. Maybe I don't have it up. Um, yeah, but it, it reviewed really well in uh, in Japan. So I'm really stoked for it, man. I cannot wait. But I've got to finish this game first. And um, this is basically just a continuation of the story from Atelier, Atelier Riser 1. I've got to say Atelier. I've got to get out of the habit of saying Atelier. Apparently, atelier is a French word. The ER is pronounced A. I don't make the rules. I've got to get used to saying atelier. Otherwise, the uh, grammar Nazi police will come and uh, come and put me down. I don't want to be put down. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Um, but, yeah, the, it's just a continuation of the story. Um, Riser has uh, sort of it's, – it's a three-year gap between the first game. Riser has – gone to the capital city so you're in a lot bigger area a lot bigger city a lot more people and you're continuing on where you went you're exploring a bunch of ruins within the game you're unlocking sort of um, clues as you're going throughout the ruins and there's an interesting mechanic where you've got to put all the clues together to sort of work out what items you need to make to progress and also um, just like yeah to progress through the story so I'm really enjoying it. It's um, really good. And as far as like the battle system goes, they did a lot of changes to the battle system where you're actually in in the first game, you would build up a bunch of AP points, which are called action points. And then you build up, build up those points and you basically bank them in to be able to put up your combat level, which, you know, your combat level, it goes from one to five every battle and the higher level, the more hits you're able to put in, the more AP you're able to build up to use your specials. Um, whereas in this game, it completely gets rid of that, and you just build up your um, um, you just build up your combat level through using your abilities. So it sort of gets rid of the middleman and just able allows you to progress through the battles at a, at a better pace, which is good. So um, really enjoying it. Talk about that a little bit more when I finish it. Um, and apart from that, man, it's just Marker 8 Deluxe DLC Wave 4. And this is a tremendous, tremendous DLC. It really is. And all, all of the tracks are so much fun. And I sat down for a night and just played through played through these maps again and again and again. And um, they're really great. So, you know, some of the highlights for me, obviously, is the brand new track, Yoshi's Island. And I feel like this track is just really great. It's a great homage to Yoshi's Island and much like Hyrule Circuit and the, the Animal Crossing um, track where it's just like the sound effects and the, the coins the, and everything put into this sort of track. It feels like it feels really like you're playing on Yoshi's Island and just like 
the part at the end of the track where you've got to sort of run through the question mark cloud um, as you know, as you would in the game where you throw the egg at the question mark cloud and the, um, it brings up secret paths or something. It, it does that in this where it brings up like a bit of a shortcut that you can take to cut the corner a lot more. I thought that was really cool. And just like when you finish the the, the race, it does like the Yoshi's Island sort of um, sort of uh, level complete theme as you're running through the flowers. And it's really great, really, really awesome. But another track that really caught my eye was Mario Circuit DS. And uh, apart from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Mario Kart DS is my favorite Mario Kart game. I think it's awesome. You know, so many modes. I think it felt great to play. Snaking was a problem where you're just doing constant constant boosts. Um, but that was still fun to, to do. <laughs> um, but Mario Circuit DS, when it started up, like the music, just like, oh my God, I... This, this just taps into my brain. I recognize the music, but the upgrades and the changes they did to this track, which is so different, but I did not recognize the track I was looking at. I'm like, this is really cool. And I actually had to go back on YouTube and see what the track looked like on DS. I couldn't remember. It's been years since I turned on Mario Kart DS. And it's just like how different it is. Like you go through the pipe and in the brand new version, you come to like a forest area and then you like jump, jump off of jump, you do your paraglider down and it just looks so different to what it was on DS. Like they just completely changed what this track is. And there was even a like, and even like with Mario Kart DS, like, you know, that was a 3D game. They changed it so much, but if, with a, there was a, a track from the Game Boy Advance game, Riverside Park. And I'm like, this is, is this a new track? Like this is completely different. And with the Game Boy advanced game like they just changed those tracks so much they look so much better on Mario Kart 8 Deluxe they pretty much just made brand new tracks because on the Game Boy Advance everything's just so flat but like with uh, Mario Circuit from Mario Kart Super Super Circuit they got like a an anti-gravity area where it just like goes up the wall and you come down it's like they just completely redone the tracks so it's awesome but I got to say my f- probably my other favorite track would be Wa- um, Waluigi Stadium from Mario Kart Double Dash. And this is just such a fun level to play on. And I think what makes it so fun is just the music. The music is awesome. Um, it, it gets me bopping. I love it so, so much. And uh, it's just great to have it in this game. The music sounds awesome. Um, but I actually, I was, I put this on my Twitter, at iDruby, but there was a bit of a, a bit of a section where a red shell was coming up behind me and I accidentally ran into a set of tires in the middle of the track. And the timing was just so on point that when I hit the tires, it bounced me to the left. And then the red shell just went past me and hit the tires. And I avoided the red shell. And I'd, I'd like to tell people that I did that on purpose. Like, oh, look, a red shell's coming. I run into these tires and that'll, that'll bounce me out of the way. But that was just pure coincidence. I just sort of, I looked at it and went, huh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was um, really strange. But also, not long after that, I a, a blue shell was coming and I went through like a boost section and like one of those anti-gravity sort of um, bumpers you go into and you get a boost from. Like I was just midway through that and the <laughs> and the, the blue shell just like missed me. I'm like, okay, I was just pulling off pro maneuvers by accident, like just one after another. I don't know how that was, but it's a sign that Waluigi Stadium... Likes me quite a lot. Likes me quite a lot. So yeah, um, a huge sort of 
sort of big, huge recommendation. I'm sure everybody's played it by now. It's, um, it's, it came out a little while ago. But, yeah, Mario 8 Deluxe DLC, you know, every wave just is a banger, banger release. And a brand new character as well, Birdo, just randomly. We never sort of got an announcement that new characters were coming. But just great to see. I love um, I love characters and we got sort of brand new slots for more characters as well. Some question marks in the character select screen. So very excited for more characters. I, I'm keen to sort of see what they're going to be. Are we going to get just more Mario characters? Are we going to get like King Bob-omb or Petey Piranha? Or are we going to get some like really exciting things like Kirby or some other Nintendo characters? I think that would be really awesome. I think the character I'd like most would be Kirby. I think Kirby is kind of a, a shoe in that is surely the character that's up next. If there was going to be more characters coming to Mario Kart, but as far as like characters that are a bit more out there, that probably will not happen. I think it'd be cool to have a Pokemon like Pikachu. I think Pikachu would be awesome. Even Charizard. <laughs> I think that'd be really awesome to have. Um, but they're just pie in the sky sort of ideas or um, wants. But I think ultimately what we're going to get is maybe if we're, if we're lucky, if Nintendo's feeling cool, we'll get like Kirby or someone, but the rest will be just like baby, baby Mario. <laughs> or we get like senior Mario or something like that. Just el- elderly Mario, another variation of Mario or one of the, the main characters, dry Mario some dry bowser we got dry peach she's very dry parched peach yes there we go that's the next character parched peach she's just just doing that with her lips the whole race (laughs) and uh if you get first place she just gets a bottle of water thrown to her and she skulls it that's the type of character we need in mario kart 8 deluxe that's for sure speaking of parched i'm parched I've got a big Pokemon cup full of water. And uh, this this episode's going long. I'm, I was thinking this episode was going to go for an hour, but here we are at an hour before we get into the news. I um, Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's too long for you guys. I don't know if uh, you want it a bit shorter, but typically we do aim for about an hour here at the House of Mario. But I've been away for a little while. I just want to sort of indulge in podcasting again and just... Talking about a bunch of stuff I've been really excited about over the last last few weeks. So please, please let me indulge. Please let me indulge. Anyway, guys, let's get into the news because there's been a bit of news that I want to talk about and uh, some stuff I've got to bring up. So let's jump into it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm so rusty. Where's my button? <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah! Is that all? I fight for my friends. Woohoo! My body is still all right, so we got our last trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie. And I don't want to talk about it too much. I watched it. I kind of forgot what happened in it. And I'm kind of happy about that because this movie comes out in under a month, a couple of weeks. Very excited for it. I think it looks great. Every trailer that comes out, I think everybody's pretty pretty hyped about it, especially those who are interested in it. I know there's some people out there who you know, don't particularly care, but I don't know. I don't know where I'm getting at there, but personally for me, when it comes to movies, I really sort of want to go in not knowing much because with a 90-minute movie, you know, there's just even like seeing that uh, there's Cat Mario. Now, that's enough to be, that would have been nice just to rock up at the movie theater and go, oh, there's Cat Mario because 
the excitement that's going to come from this movie is purely going to be, oh, look, look at that Easter egg or look at that. It's not going to be the gripping story. We probably know that Bowser is going to get defeated. Um, it's not going to be a Avengers Endgame situation. Well, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. The good guy's lost. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's, that's what this uh, kids slash family movie is going to be all about. But it's going to be what we're seeing in the trailers. Like, oh, look, there's Cranky Kong or... Um, no, this is some funny scene with Yoshi or, I don't know, Kirby makes a guest appearance. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. I think that's what we're going to be really excited about. So for me, um, I don't want to see anything else. doesn't seem like we're going to see anything else and really excited. Hopefully, I want to take the day off and go and watch this movie and watch it a couple of times and, um, you know, do a podcast and do some videos about it on the YouTube channel. So I really came for that, man. I think it's going to be great. So you want to go and check out the last trailer, you can. I'm sure you've already checked it out if you wanted to. But um, yeah, man, this movie's coming out very soon. Very keen about it. And uh, going with the Mario news, uh, Nintendo actually updated Super Mario Run so you can play it. Well, you can play a level, a brand new level once per day for free. And it's also been discounted until the end of May. So go and check that out if you want. Mario Run, I think it's a, it was a great mo- mobile game. And I really wish Nintendo kept with that sort of monetization method where it's just like, hey, it's a, f- it's a full game, 10 bucks. You can play the first couple levels for free. Like, isn't that a great sort of introduction to their games on mobile? And it just did not work. People on mobile were like, 10 bucks? Nah. But I will pay $1,000 over the course of a month, but I will not buy it outright for 10 bucks. Uh, and it's a shame because I think just for, you know, sitting there, listening to a podcast, you want to sort of play a game, you don't have your Switch or whatever in your backpack, you know, get it Mario Run, you just like try and ke- collect all the coins in the level and you got to get your timing for the wall jumps and stuff. I think it was um, I think it was great, but I didn't, I didn't buy it because at the time I lived out on the farm and my service was kind of non-existent, especially um, in the house. You had to go like, to the top of a hill to get service on our phone. <laughs> Um, but this game had DRM where you had to be online where if you're in the city or something, that's, that's no problem. It does a check when, when you open the app. But for me, it's just like I couldn't play it. Um, so unless I was in town or something, but even then I was like, ah, no, I won't buy it. So I'm part of the problem. I know that. But um, I did have my reasons apart from just uh, too expensive. But yeah, maybe it's worth checking it out now. Like, you know, it's still a great game and you can play a level per day. And I think that's probably enough for like people doing their dailies, for example, you know, go to Pokemon. For me, it's Pokemon Go. You know, you keep your chains going as far as uh, collecting Pokemon and spinning Pokestops and doing your little challenges each day that go towards your research. Um, And this could be similar to that. We just do a level, cool, and you put it back in your pocket. And um, it's cool that that Nintendo sort of um, unlocked that functionality unless you just want to buy it all and play it that way. Um, next up, we got some brand new toys that they've uh, dropped in Australian stores. And this is from Vooks.net. Um, I don't know too much about this, so I will just read the article um, just to get the full picture. But I saw Seth Sturgill on his YouTube ta- channel, All N, unboxing a couple of these toys. And they looked awesome. So that's why I've sort of highlighted this um, in the news section. But the article reads, Super Mario Bros. movie tie-in toys have dropped and they would have dropped into Australian shores, uh, stores soon. Their official release date was allegedly February February 26th, but we couldn't find any uh, online retailers selling them. 
Today, however, we got reports that Target was selling them in store in multiple states, and yep, they have them. This photo comes uh, in from um, Western Australia, but the pictures were sent from New South Wales. So the prices can vary between toys. The smaller toys are $12. The Mario Karts are $25, and the larger figures are $39 Australian, um, as is the the van playset and the relatively robust Bowser using uh, steaming water to breathe fire and the Mushroom Kingdom Castle is 59. The taller opposable Mario figures are also 59. So what uh, what Seth was unboxing on his YouTube channel, where I, I, I want to put it out to you guys, go to All In, check out Seth's unboxing of these Mario toys based on the Mario Bros movie. He unboxed a Mario figure which has like, you can like move his arms and legs and pose him however you want. And also a big Bowser. And the Bowser was what stood out to me is that it was just like this big, awesome looking detailed f- toy of Bowser, but you can fill it up with water and it spurts out steam out of his mouth and it lights up red and it looks like he's breathing fire. I'm like, that is awesome. If I was a kid, I'll be all over that. I'll be playing with it all the time. And as an adult, I'm like, well, I'll put that on my shelf. <laughs> But I wouldn't mind picking that up, man. I think that the Bowser is especially cool. And there's a a Peach's Castle as well. And I've always wanted Lego to do a Bowser's Castle set. Uh, Sorry, a Peach's Castle set. And it's just, it's never been to my liking, but this looks like a more full um, sort of castle, which I'll look into that. I'll see what it's all about. See if that's worth getting. So yeah, bunch of bunch of toys. If you want to get them for your kids, or maybe you're a big man baby like me, and you want to go and pick one up for your for yourself, <laughs> go and check it out. And uh, I'm sure this doesn't sort of apply to any of you guys, but if you are after a brand new Switch that is not an OLED, is just the original Switch. There is a brand new Mario bundle to uh, coincide with the Mario Bros. movie, and you get um, a normal Switch, a black dock a black grip for your Joy-Cons. You do get the limited edition red Mario Joy-Cons, which is cool. Um, if, you're, if you're collecting Joy-Cons and you don't care about your money, you can get this. You also get a digital code for Mario Odyssey. So um, if you're a collector, I know there's uh, people out there like Nintendo Down Under um, who has literally every single Switch edition that is released in Australia which is insane. I could only imagine the money that costs. If you think I'm bad for getting switches, I've got, I've got six. This guy's got like, I don't know, 50 plus. I don't know how much, <laughs> but it's people like that, that uh, allow me to be like, look, I've got six. It's fine. What's a seven? What's an eight? He's got, he's literally got them all. So what's a, uh, what's the harm in me doing it? But yeah, go and check it out. If you want a, a cheaper switch for your kids or something like that, well, it's not even that cheaper. It's uh, 490, uh, $469 in Australia. So like an OLED is, what is it, $550? I haven't bought a, well, that's not true. I was about to say I haven't bought an OLED in a while, but, you know, I bought the <laughs> bought the Pokemon one in, in the last year. But yeah, I'll just go for the OLED, man. Just, don't know. Unless like you're a parent just getting it for your kids and like, ah, look, comes with a game. That's fine. It's uh still 40 bucks. You're basically getting Mario Odyssey for 40 bucks on top of like, the $4.30 price tag for your Switch. Not a very good deal. So you get some stickers and stuff with it which makes it a little bit more unique, but nah, man. Nah, man. Nah, man. 
Okay, let's talk about some some stuff with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And this is just a bit of a bit of a warning to some of you guys. It's a little bit late, but who knows? It might start might still reach some of you. There's actually a a bug with the latest Pokemon Violet and Scarlet update, and it can delete your save file, which is super concerning. So let me read from my Nintendo News to get the full picture, and we will discuss. So the article reads, The Pokemon Company and Game Freak released an update a week or so ago bringing Pokemon Violet and Scarlet to version 1.2.0. The upgrade, which um, which uh, fixes a few bugs and advertising the upcoming downloadable content for the hidden treasure the hidden treasure of Area Zero on the game's home screen. Um, however, it seems like this version brought uh, with it some unwelcome additions uh, and, and that is a bug that can delete save files. The issue seems to arise from connecting to the Pokemon Go app or downloading the DLC. Though, um, as Kotaku, Kotaku points out, there's one singular cause for the um, save corrupting bug, which is clearly problematic. Losing a save file can be devastating and it isn't helped by the fact that Pokemon Violet and Scarlet cannot be backed up to the cloud via Nintendo Switch Online like the vast uh, majority of Nintendo Switch games. Presumably, the Pokemon Company and Game Freak are aware of the issue and working on a fix, but they don't seem to have publicly acknowledged the existence of the bug. Thankfully, it doesn't seem to be a wide, widespread issue at present, but Kotaku has reached out to Nintendo regarding deletion of save files and has yet to hear back from the time of writing this. So, just, um, just a massive L for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. It's just... Uh, when I first played the game and talked about it on the show, I described it as wonderful. I thought it was a great Pokemon experience. Discovering brand new Pokemon, open world, really enjoyed it. But I'm just constantly just shaking my head. Like, how can how can this series be in such bad shape technically? It's not the it's not the Switch's hardware problem. There's plenty of games that utilize the Switch's power to its benefit. Like even third-party games, like you see like Persona 5, um, Dragon Quest 11, you know, JRPGs that look great. They're originally, you know, built for PlayStation 4, but ported over the Switch, look awesome. Um, and they sell nowhere near as well as Pokemon. Nowhere near as well as Pokemon. Not a, not even, probably like a fifth <laughs> as well as Pokemon. Um, so it's just so frustrating to see that this game is just so technically poor, just just in such a bad place. And on top of that, you know, we're waiting for updates to just like, can we play this game, this turn-based RPG without just like hurting our eyes? Not because it looks bad, just because of the frame rate. <laughs> it runs like crap. <laughs> or pop in, just like taking you out the experience, constantly thinking about how this game is working on the back end rather than playing it and just enjoying the world of Paldea. And uh, just... We finally get updates. We we get, you know, DLC, which is exciting. We got the announcement for that. You can purchase it, whatever. But then you get stuff like this where it's eating your saves as well. Come on, Game Freak. What are you, like, come on. Like, I am... It's, in, in the scheme of things, obviously, it's not a big deal. There's so much going on in the world, politically, socially etc. There's there are real things that affect people. I get that. But you know, when it comes to like sitting down in your chair, let's play some video games in a series that you've grown up with, you love, and you just want to see it just be the top of its game. Pokemon's nowhere near at that top, man. It's nowhere near. And it's 
it's such a disappointment. I don't know what they're doing over there. I really don't. And it's not it's not a creative problem. It's not anything like that. I think they've put together a you know good systems in the game. Brand new Pokemon are awesome. But guys, guys, what 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 is this? What is this? What is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet? It's a fucking mess. <laughs> the whole thing's a mess, man, and it's just it's so, so frustrating. And that's ultimately why I, I'm spending a lot of my time playing the old stuff. Like, you know, don't know. Very frustrating. But um, there is a there is a new patch that's coming out by the end of April. It's meant to, what have we got here? Um, this particular update will fix some of the issues related to in-game eggs. The Pokemon fan site Cerebi says that they will allow players who caught an egg instead of a walking wake iron leaves to catch them again um, in a new run for the raid event. So, let's see how that goes. See if they fix the save, um, save issue, the Pokemon Go linking, stuff like that. But man, just... Um, it's just a big mess. Also on Pokemon Scarlet and Violet news, um, the only thing that is notable and worth talking about from the Pokemon Presents a few weeks ago, that, you know, Pokemon Sleep, it's like, fucking all right. <laughs> yeah, tell me about Pokemon Sleep, uh, Pokemon Company. Awesome, really expensive uh, Pokemon card, cards we can buy, yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, Got to get out my salt. I've got to, got to dust off this salt. I need a drink. Very thirsty from all the salt. So we got a brand new sort of look at Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC. It's going to be coming out in two parts. The Teal Mask, which is due spring 2023 um, in Australia, as well as the Indigo Disc, which is summer in 2023. So at the end of the year. And we really didn't get much about it. We got a couple of uh, pictures, a couple of teasers about some brand new Pokemon. And um, I got I got to say, just from what they've showed, which is very little, mind you. I'm sure there's I'm sure this DLC is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have a lot of fun, sort of exploring the brand new areas and the Pokemon that are returning to the games and all that. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing excited me. And the uh, the brand new Pokemon, and this is coming from someone who really enjoyed the brand new designs and brand new Pokemon for Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. These Pokemon don't look that good. They look pretty stupid, but um, I don't know. They they probably will grow on me, so I'm not going to put a final statement on that or anything. But they look pretty dumb, so there's that. So, you know, Violent Scarlet. Um, I'd say it's a pretty low point of the series, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I'll buy the DLC. It's more expensive than a Sword and Shield, Sword and Shields DLC. So hopefully they uh show some cool stuff. A little bit later. All right. The last Pokemon story I want to talk about is a brand new trailer shows more of the Pokemon anime reboot. So this is going to be the first anime um, without Ash and Pikachu. Um, so it's pretty cool. So just reading from Vooks.net, although we won't get it for a while, the Pokemon company has released a new trailer for the upcoming Pokemon anime reboot, which is subbed for uh, for us in the West. Uh, the new trailer shows, shows us more about Roy and Ico the replacements for Ash. There's also a brand new professor and his Pokemon and more about the story. The anime kicks off in Japan on April 14th with an hour long episode. 
it'll be a while before it heads west as Asher's story isn't uh, quite finished just yet. Yeah, so we're still getting like the end of Asher's um, like beating the Pokemon League here in English. I'm not sure if it's out on Netflix in um, the US, but for some reason the Pokemon anime comes out a lot later in Australia on Netflix. So I'm not going to muck around with VPNs just to watch Pokemon. It'll come eventually. But I'm keen to see what they do with uh, the Pokemon series going forward without Ash. And it's nice to have Ash, you know, have his journey, sort of put a bit of a bow on it, move on to the next phase of his life. And uh, we will get more Ash, I dare say, you know, this could potentially fail and they'll bring him back or he'll be back in a side anime or he'll make an appearance. There's, there's no doubt that he'll be there. Hopefully his voice actor will continue to get paid. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this, just see something different from the Pokemon anime. Instead of it being just go around again and again, I'll go to a new area, get a brand new Pokemon, lose the league, rinse, repeat. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty keen to see that. Next up, this is just a little bit of information from the Microsoft and Activision sort of court case to sort of for um, Xbox to be able to, to buy um, Activision Blizzard King. And just a little bit of a tidbit came out. It's just basically about how how they think Call of Duty is going to run on Switch. Because Nintendo has signed a 10-year um, deal with um, uh, Microsoft to get Call of Duty on their uh, on Nintendo Switch or Nintendo platforms for 10 years. And when I said Nintendo platforms, I'm like, obviously Call of Duty is not going to work well on Switch. It's going to be by far the worst place to play it. If, you're, if you only own a Switch and you're like, oh, I'll give some Call of Duty a go and you play for the campaign, I'm sure it will... I'm sure it will. Oh, actually, I'm not. I'm not even sure it will be good, any good. To be honest with you, I wouldn't want to play Call of Duty on Switch. Um, full stop. It'd be awful on Switch, especially you know, with with Call of Duty being on just uh, big powerful platforms now, just being dumbed down for Switch just is not the place to play it, especially in handheld mode on the Joy Cons. It's just got no interest in uh, trying it there. But um, there's a uh, there was some information about just what their sort of view was of having it on Switch. So reading this from my Nintendo News, Microsoft's desire to acquire Activision Blizzard has been rather messy. They are currently in talks with the UK government in an attempt to convince them that this acquisition should be approved. Uh, what makes the whole thing more strange, however, is that Nintendo has been indirectly caught up in this. For example, Microsoft is also having to reassure the UK government that they can fulfill uh, its agreement to bring Call of Duty games to uh, Nintendo hardware for the next decade. That said, this isn't surprising, but Nintendo Switch power has been a source of concern. Not only has uh, Microsoft he heard this, they have expressed, uh, expressed confidence that they can optimize the Call of Duty games for Nintendo's console. I told the UK government that the Aqua, um, Activision has a long history of optimizing game performance for um, available hardware capabilities. They continued that uh, Microsoft and Activision are confident uh, in uh, that in addition to Warzone and Call of Duty buy-to-play titles, Jesus Christ, buy-to-play? Christ, is, oh, I've never heard that term in my life. That's gross. <laughs> but I like buy-to-play games. I like to buy games and play them and not be interrupted by other bullshit. Uh, can be optimized to run on Nintendo Switch in a timely manner using standard techniques, uh, which have been used to bring games such as Apex Legends, Doom Eternal, Fortnite, and Crisis 3 to Switch. Warzone 
uh, or to be more specific, the engine that uh, the game runs on is also used in their argument. They feel that the engine that Warzone runs on can be adjusted to fit the Nintendo Switch's power. In fact, they state that the engine is optimized to run on a wide range of uh, hardware devices, ranging from Xbox One consoles that were released in 2015 up to Xbox Series X. Warzone itself can can support graf, uh, graphics cards that date back as far as 2015, a couple of years before the Switch even released. That said, there are still a lot of questions up in the air at the moment. It is unknown how the UK government will, will respond to this argument and if they will even allow the acquisition to go through. If the deal is finalized, then the air is um, uncertainly to shift which Call of Duty games will, will be released on Switch. However, as it appears, we'll let you know. So good uh, write-up from my Nintendo News just to let us know what's going on there. And yeah, good luck. Good luck um, putting that, <laughs> putting those games on Switch. That's all I can say. Um, but yeah, I, I expect that deal will affect the next platform a lot more than the Switch. But um, it is very tempting to get those games on Switch. I could only imagine with the install base of Switch and the audience that they have that... Um, you know the games will sell tremendously well on Switch if they can get them running at a an okay sort of level. Because even like with like Witcher Three, like it looked pretty bad. You blow it up on the TV, like oh my god, it looks awful. <laughs> but you play it on a Switch Lite, you got it in your pocket. Then like your whole mindset completely changes about having that game on Switch. Like The Witcher Three on a on a handheld portable that doesn't overheat or has great battery life. And you can play it for a couple of hours on the bus. Like, that's awesome. Um, so it could be a similar thing for Call of Duty. Like, typically you want to sit down with, like, your controller. Like, if you, a lot of people on PlayStation or Xbox will be buying, like, pro controls with paddles and that to be able to utilize, you know, better controls with these games. But if you're someone who's just very casual, wouldn't mind playing it on their bus trip or, or, or traveling or something, it'd be pretty cool having it on Switch. But I just cannot see it running that well okay this is a just a another thing i want to bring to your, to your attention is that um you could brick the nintendo wii u just by not using it and this is from uh, xputer.com and just to round things up it's got uh, story highlights at the top here and uh, nintendo's nostalgic nostalgic wii u console appears to get corruptive corrupted if it is not used for a long time eventually suffering memory errors that brick the system it's NAND a corruption issue that bricks the console um, and is unfixable and a NAND backup is not made prior to um, corruption. Many reports have surfaced online over the years and the Wii U has been unable, it's been unable to fix the Wii U because of the high-risk uh, complications that come with it. The Nintendo does not repair um, their consoles anymore for the platform and the only current solution appears to be running the Wii U after a while to ensure that it does not brick. So it was interesting. I had I've still got my Wii U under my TV. I have not played it for a long time. After seeing this new story, I might I might check my Wii U. I'll see what's going on. And I turned it on. It's fine. It's uh, running how it ran before. And just a bit of a PSA in case um in case you guys want to check on your Wii U, make sure it's all right. You know, I haven't seen our little friend in a while, so go and check on your Wii U. See if it's going all right. Make sure it doesn't brick. And um, if, if someone's has bricked out there, let me know. I'm keen to see if it's like a widespread issue or this is something similar to, um, 
don't know, to, to, to some other thing that gets blown up out of proportion. But um, it's funny bringing up uh, the Wii U because I turned it on and I just went to the eShop. And the eShop at the time of recording for Wii U and 3DS, it's going to be dead within nine days, a little bit over nine days. Um, so I went and had a look and I'm like looking at the DS games and I said that I wouldn't, but I think I will for DS. I think I will go and buy some DS games on the virtual console for Wii U because I, I really want to play like with a, the bottom screen on the, the gamepad and the top screen on the TV. I think that'd be awesome. There's a bunch of Pokemon Ranger games, the Mario and Luigi RPGs with Partners in Time. Uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff I want to want to play on there. So I might do that. I might actually spend a couple of bucks, put 50 bucks on it and buy some DS games on the Wii U. I'm just a little bit wary about it because all your purchases are tied to that console. So if you're one of these people who just like your system bricked, there's no account system. You can't go and get another cheap Wii U and just sign in and download your games. There's none of that. It's just tied to your Wii U. It's just such a such a backwards console, um, especially if it just bricks itself after not being turned on for a while. Like, I don't know what's going on with that thing, man. I really don't. So we've got some brand new Game Boy games, NES games, and SNES games added to Nintendo Switch Online. For the Game Boy, we got uh, Kirby's Dream Land 2 and Burger Time Deluxe for Super Nintendo. Uh, Super Nintendo, we got Side Pocket. And for NES, we got Exevious. Um, not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but um, from what I hear, everyone's really happy about this lineup, even for uh, NES and SNES. A uh, bunch of bangers coming out, so pretty cool. Um, can I check out... What am I can to check out? I'll check out Burger Time. I haven't played Burger Time. Kirby's Dream Land 2, you know, classic. Classic Kirby game. I don't know how many more Kirby games I need. I'm already playing through one at the moment. Um, don't know if I need to play this one straight away, but I'll play it. Side Pocket is Pool on the NES or SNES. So not sure. I don't know. Give it a go. Why not? I'm sure it won't be too long. I'll be spending in that. And Xavius, I'll, I think it's uh, like a shoot-em-up, I think. I recognize the name, but I can't say that I've played it. And uh, also Metroid Fusion. It came out on, on March 9th. So a few weeks ago now um, as, part, as part of the... Nintendo Online expansion pack for Game Boy Advance. Very keen to play this one. Um, I'll be getting to it soon. And uh, yeah, so that brings us to the end of the news. So cool stuff. <laughs> so to end the show, I want to I want to try a brand new segment. And this is a segment that I'm going to be calling Doug Bowser's Hot Takes. And the idea of Doug Bowser's Hot Takes is that I want to get a a hot take that I don't necessarily agree with. And for one minute, I've got to defend and justify that hot take. And in the future, I want to get hot takes from you guys and I want them to be a surprise while I'm recording. So I read it and I've got to justify that hot take. And for the first hot take, the statement is going to be, the Wii U is better than the Nintendo Switch. So I went on, I basically just like Googled like gaming hot takes and this one come up. It's a pretty obvious one for a Nintendo podcast. It's certainly a spicy one. If anybody's got like a legit feeling that the Wii U is better than Switch. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell, mate. What's wrong with you? (laughs) But here I am. I've got to justify it. Do I have my phone here? I don't have a timer, do I? I have my phone here somewhere, surely. It wasn't very organized of me. All right, what we're going to do is going to bring up the timer here. Oh, I've got the timer sitting for the podcast recording. Let's use that. So here we go. The Wii U 
is better. No, no, we'll start this properly. We'll start this properly. All right. You ready, guys? This is why the Wii U is better than the Switch. So, the Wii U is better than the Nintendo Switch, and here's the reasons why. So, the Nintendo Wii U gamepad has a lot of functionality that the Nintendo Switch just does not have. Have. <laughs> Especially like you look here, you look at the D-pad. The D-pad was absolutely fantastic for playing 2D games and it was in a fantastic spot. It felt natural to hold when you're playing stuff like New Super Mario Bros. Wii U or New Super Mario Bros. U and you're able to use it that way. But on the, on the Switch, you don't have that. You only have singular buttons and even on the Pro Controller, the D-pad is the worst D-pad I've used in my life. And if you want to plug in an audio device to your Nintendo Switch, I hope you're holding your Switch because there is no audio jack in the Pro Controller or the Joy-Cons. But with the Wii U gamepad, you can plug it straight in as well as stylus control just in the side here. Take it out. Fantastic. I also really like the feel of the buttons on the gamepad. Don't know if they're better, but they're really nice feeling. I think they got their own unique feeling as well as a camera right on the top of the gamepad. Feels awesome. Um, it doesn't feel awesome, but I think it's a great feature to utilize for um, calling your mum on her Wii U or something like that. And also the Wii U. It looks really nice sort of standing up. You get those little stands, you put them up, and you've got, you've got a nice little shiny black modem that shows up. Also, if you love um, just big, Big power bricks. The Wii U had a great big power brick. All right, now I've ran out of things. <laughs> the Virtual Console was better. Boom, done. So that's the Doug Bowser's hot take for the day. So if you've got some hot takes you'd like me to tackle on the show, e- email me at Drew at the House of Mario and put in the tag Doug Bowser's hot takes. Just so I know what it is, I want to open up on the show so it's a surprise to me. So I come in fresh. I'm, I'm not like, I don't have it lingering in my brain what I'm going to talk about. Um, you can also put it in our Discord community. There's a link in the show notes as well as um, Twitter. But I think the email will be, will be best because I can leave it and open it uh, when I'm ready. So guys, that brings us to the end of the House of Mario. I really do appreciate your time spending with me here. Uh, 90 minutes, over 90 minutes talking about Nintendo stuff, blabbering on, talking about the news, all of that. Hopefully we'll be back next week talking about all of the awesome Nintendo stuff that I've um, been enjoying over the week and um, really do appreciate it. So thank you very much for listening to episode 246. But before we go, I want to leave you with um, the mystery jukebox for this week. Last episode, the jukebox was uh, um, Rooftop Renegade by Melonhead Studios. So a little bit of a tricky one, an indie game that just came out, um, local to me here in South Australia. But this one will be a little bit more of an obvious one. So let me know what you guys think it is over at youtube.com slash idruby in the comments section for episode 246 or twitter.com slash idruby. But until then, guys, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. We'll catch you later.